stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm joined by John Blank, Zach's chief equity strategist and a PhD economist to talk about our favorite end of the year topic. We've done it many, many years now. Will there be a recession in 2023? That's the topic. For all the years we've done it, John, we have not yet had a recession come in. No, wait, I take that back. We must have during the pandemic, but none of us could have predicted that in our end of the year podcast for 2019, that would have been. And it was super quick and we were out of it. But now here we are again. Everybody's predicting the recession for 2023. So what will we say? Will we predict it too? I don't know. And we're going to cover how do you invest for this if we think there is actually going to be one in 2023. So welcome back, John. Thanks, Tracy. So um, I'm doing what I always do when we talk about the recession. You know, I'm paying attention to one of the indicators of the recession, which is the job market. And the job market appears to be freaking out a lot of the recession watchers out there because we're not seeing a lot of weakness yet in the job market. And we still have unemployment at 3.7%. We still have the weekly jobless claims at a you know very low level, frankly, for given how much the Fed has been tightening, still under 250,000 pretty consistently every week. Um, obviously, there's a delay in a lot of the job uh, data. If you were laid off this week, depending on what your job was, you may not file even an unemployment claim for weeks. Um, And you may end up not filing it at all if you manage to leapfrog into another new job quickly. We have over 10 million job openings, so that may happen this time around. So can I look at the job thing like we always talk about, John, or or, um, is it just delayed and that area will get darker as we go along into 2023 or what what should we be looking at all right tracy so here is the monthly job growth average for 2022 it's plus 392,000 okay does that sound like a recession that's pretty, no that's very that's impressive close, right? that's super hot right no yeah yeah 2021, for example, when we were doing the COVID recovery, was plus 562. So we're down 170,000. We're down about 30, 40% in their growth. Now, here's an interesting statement, though. Uh, you threw out, you know, the unemployment rate is at 3.7%. We did have 260,000 jobs in November added. But let's just talk about the internals of this. So here's this statement, and I've verbatim quoted. No notable job gains occurred in November in leisure and hospitality, health care, and government. Employment declined in retail trade and in transportation and warehousing. So what fundamentally is interesting about that, Tracy? First of all, notable job gains occurred in leisure, hospitality, health care, and government. Those are all services, right? Right. Employment declined in retail, trade, transportation, and warehousing. Those are all goods. Yeah. Right. 
So the service economy is still humming along right now. And the, the, the employment declines that we're trying to get this unemployment rate and the price level down are coming out of the goods market, which is also true for the PMIs. The manufacturing PMIs are below 50 now and the, and the service PMIs are above 50. So it's totally right. consistent with what we're learning. So now let's take a look at the survey of professional forecasters and let's, I'll tell you what they have. Okay. So 2023 first quarter, 0.2% GDP. 3.8% okay. on the unemployment rate. So basically just barely ticking up from here and growth going to 0.2%. Now, if that concerns you, I got to remind you that the first quarter of 2022 was minus 1.6 and the second quarter was minus 0.6, right? Yeah. So and we usually look yeah. through that, you might blow through this 0.2%. So that, again, that's not recessionary. Like we talked about jobs is the key thing and it might tick up a tenth of a point. Not much. Now, right. 2022 second quarter, again, 0.2%, and the joint employment now starts to rise to 4%, right? Okay. Well, what's interesting about all of this then gets into the payrolls that people predict and the core price, personal consumption expenditure, which is what the Fed will put the Fed funds rate 1% above it. So in the first quarter, payrolls will, are at 80. And the core PCE is at 3.8, which means they're going to get the, the Fed funds rate to 4.8. We're at 3.8 now, so we're going to add 100 basis points if the core PCE does what it's supposed to do. But by the way, it's at four and a half now. So the Fed, if it doesn't okay. come down more, they're going to go to five and a half. Then in the yeah. second quarter of 2022, it's 36,000 payrolls a month, and the core PC is 3.2. So okay. here's my problem with all this, these forecasters. When, Tracy, did we begin this super steep rate hiking? In the spring. Right. April. March and April. Right? Yeah. When on earth has any economist told you that there's going to be a downturn seven or eight months later? Never. Never. At least not you. You have never told me that. <laughs> I have never told you that. So why no. on earth? Now, I'm, I'm talking about all 45 of the most professional economists in the world. Why do we have a recession with 79,000 jobs in the first quarter and 36,000 in the second quarter for not even a year after we started rate hiking? This even right. as an economist, I'm talking as a professional economist, this is way in front running the idea that there's lags and leads on this stuff. Yeah. Right? So okay. this is uh, yeah. one thing that you and I have been right about all year is by paying attention to the payroll, that 392 number, it was way hot and there was no slowdown for sure this year. And frankly, second half of next year, first half of next year, I'm not betting on a recession at all, unlike these guys. Right. And right. I would, because I, it, again, just being an economist who's not going to get thrown under the bus here because I work at Zach's, you know, the leads and lags <laughs> are going to take it in the second half for sure. Yeah. So my point Agreed. is why we're doing this podcast is so critical is the monthly jobs numbers and revised job numbers are all you really need to know because these okay. stupid people are trying to jump in and out of boats on, you know, and not get fired in their bureaucratic world. And this is not the, and they're actually violating their own principle, which is that it takes 12 to 18 months for these, these interest rates to play out. Right. Right. It's fascinating. I mean, I just looked at it and I was like, you yeah, know, really? 
I mean, we're going to do 80,000 jobs in January. I mean, uh -huh, we already got the November number at 263. So we're just going to fall off a cliff after Christmas. Right. Right. That's what I've been saying. Even just to the general random people on Twitter who are going even more outrageous and talking about how the Fed is going to start cutting by early next year. <laughs> Not just, right. so, you know, so that we're even going to be in recession, that they're going to cut the rates. And I'm like, but you would need literally it all to collapse. Right. And how so is that going to happen? We're already yeah, so like mid-December. Mid right. And I was golfing with some guys, you know, who are in their 70s, early 70s, and they own their houses in California. And we were talking about, um, you know, the rate hiking. And the, and the, the work was going to do to the mortgage rate. We all know it went to 7%, right? Yeah. But what's the average mortgage rate out there, Tracy, after 10 years of zero rates? Uh, almost everyone, I think it's only 5% of people with a mortgage are above 5%. Right. And the average one yeah. is three and a half. Yeah. It's much. So the point is, yeah. the listings, the sales, the amount of people on both sides of the market that can find a deal are going to plummet. But right. if you look at the right. number of people in Phoenix, by the way, which is the hottest and worst situation, 0. 0.4 to 0.6% of all people in Phoenix are transacting on a house. 0. 0.4 okay. to 0.6%. Yeah. Right? So the point yeah. is, it's just not going to happen through the housing market. And then let's no. talk about the retail sales things. I've just looked at this also for this report on economics I'm going to do this weekend. Lo and behold, there's no sign of any slowdown in any retail category I looked at. Period. No, not even in jewelry. And you'd think if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pull back on something, it's gonna be on the jewelry. I don't have to have that. And yet, even the jewelry retailers are saying, "No, we're we're fine. Things are looking pretty good still." That's incredible, really. Yeah. Well, what's incredible is the the uh, the the drivenness of the media, social media, and and actually cable and business news media, and the incessant drumbeat of trying to get something alarming so people turn it tune in right yeah yeah um right right and people who pessimistically want you know they didn't vote for biden so they don't want him to succeed because then they can go 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 golf with me and piss on me all day right <laughs> right right for all these people you say hey you know what what's the payroll number and they you know i'd rather get the recession story out done by the first hole so i can play the next 17 right yeah, yeah. And 95% of people don't say what you said, which is it's been 392 all year. There's no way we're going to 70 or 80 in another month. That's sort of no. obvious, right? Hey, right. But see, this is the problem. Yeah. We've got in bubbles of social media and cable watching, TV watching, and people Correct. are also in the professional economist profession just yammering away in their own social media bubble. And we're all yeah. walking back the basic concepts we've always believed in, which is the payroll number matters most. And the lags on uh, rate hiking by the Fed are at least 12 to 18 months, right? Yeah. All you can do is say one or the other has to, to really, you know, I got to honor both, which means if, if it really comes in fast, the payroll numbers will roll in and we'll pick it up. We don't have to think about the projections. Those are just not really happening. We will just catch it month to month, like what we said. Just try yeah. to be in the moment and change your views in the moment and don't miss out on all the the madness because the stock market will walk around up and down. That's going to happen. Um, but right. the, 
right. does not mean the economy's walking up and down. There's the rate thing, you know, rate thing. Let's see how it plays out here. Nobody's ever rate hiked right. this fast this quickly, and it still remains to be seen if it really matters when you put that in front of 10 years of zero rates. Right. Yeah. And I, I do think on the housing side, there's still a lot of post-traumatic stress syndrome from uh, you know Gen Xers and baby boomers about what happened in 2008 to 2012. And that's why everybody's still looking at housing again as the place where that could cause it, that could cause the recession because they're just, they're still thinking, oh, this is like it was before when it it's not anywhere close. And we've been 15 years later after that housing bust. And what people forget is, you know, baby boomers who owned their house in 2008, certainly, you know, if they stayed in it, they certainly own it now in 2022, 2023. And it's most likely paid off now. So the scenario is a little bit changed, you know, 15 years later, over four, about 40% of homeowners own their houses outright now which is a is a lot of money sitting there a lot of equity a lot of firepower that maybe was not there to that extent in the prior type of cycles too so i i don't know i just think people are looking at all the wrong things as to why the doom is coming and you know what's going to cause it all other than the fed tightening you know they're looking for some other outside area um you know and I don't know, maybe it's the Bitcoin and all the stuff that's going on with FTX. Maybe that's the catalyst this time. I don't know. But I don't know, you know, what's the percentage of people who were invested or are invested in cryptos? I don't know. Do you know? Yeah, FTX is, you know we can answer that ourselves. FTX did 30 or 40 billion dollars in losses if they're catastrophic. And well, yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. But if you were That's like outside of FTX, there's some people who weren't in there. So yeah, so you go from twenty five thousand, then you lost 30, 40, 50 percent. But how many people did that? I don't know. Right, not not that many to well, cause contagion. But I don't know. It's it is definitely going to be interesting. But on the stock market side, um, we know that. The market will try to price in any kind of recession ahead of time. Um, so, so what do you do as a stock investor then? As we head into 2023, we've had the big sell-off here in 2022, but we've had a nice rally at the end of the year, so it's not as bad as it was a couple months ago. Um, and you know, do I do I go into what was working for this year? Do I do I stay in, for instance, like an Exxon? It's up 69% year to date still, but you do get that big dividend. Shares are still cheap. Do I go into the banks as the Fed continues to tighten? I thought that would work last year. Um, I know you've liked some of the big banks. We've talked about it. I own Bank of America in my uh, value investor portfolio. I think you own JP Morgan again, right? You're back in there. Yeah, um, JP Morgan down about 17% year to date. So, you know, kind of near what the S&P 500 has done now. Uh, but you get that dividend and that's cheap. Um, retail, I, I do like the retail story, but I am a little leery, even though it's holding up as we just discussed. I am a little leery about 
diving in there ahead of a possible slowing of the consumer. So like Ulta, a lot of people talking about that one. On the beauty side, it you know just had a pretty solid quarter and is looking at a solid holiday season. It was a little cautious, but that's understandable. But they're they're seeing pretty good numbers there. But that's trading at 21 times, so not not real cheap. I don't know. I know a lot of people are hiding out in in the big drug companies. You know, a lot of people talking about Eli Lilly right now because year to date it's up 32%, breaking out to new highs. But I took a look at it because I haven't looked at it in a while. PE is at 47 now on it, even though those estimates are being cut a bit here. So. Um, it makes it more expensive and the dividend not that great 1% for Eli, but took a look at Pfizer. Um, that's cheaper PE of just 7.9, but earnings really expected to be uh, cut for next year down 25%. Analysts not liking it. Those are down, those shares are down 16.5% year to date now for Pfizer. So I don't know, John. What are you thinking about for 2023 on in terms of you know just investing? Should we stick with what's worked, like the Exxon's, or you know now things are on sale, we can get in there? Do I try to get a dividend payer? What what do I do? Well, you know, I would throw out three ideas here. One is the Q's. Okay. The Nasdaq 100 tracker. Yeah. Sold off the most, although come back the earliest. The okay. other is semiconductor ETF XSD, XSD, which is the most uh, equal weight of the semiconductor indexes done by S the Spider State Street Group, which I've learned has done more of the heavy lifting and getting your passive investing right for you and is reasonably cheap from an expense ratio perspective. Okay. Grow out as a blend of the mid caps. Any of the ETFs in, in mid cap blends, which are not the small caps, which will be more volatile, but you know, stocks that you don't know about, but just buy the blend. Don't buy the value or the growth and just buy the super low okay. uh, ratios. And then stay regular with those ideas. Don't try to time in on it. And if you allocated to those three ideas, you know, once a quarter or every two months, um, you're probably going to put in some nice valuations on those stocks and you come out the back end of this whenever this ends, which, by the way, nobody knows. And by the way, the market will, again, just like the everything else, will be leading it 12 to 18 months. So it'll turn around whenever, you know, that big wheel turns out there in the world. And uh, right. you just you're not going to time the bottom, but you're going to be able to be in buying, you know, around both sides of the bottom and at the bottom if you keep on with something like that. Okay, that's good advice. Yeah, I so feel like I, can give you, I, I think people, you know, turn to people like me or you, uh, like we're going to be some geniuses and figure this out. And that's just what we're going to do is we're going to work and we're going to go yeah. and like we do podcasts. We're going to do them regularly and we're going to talk about the payroll data and tie our hands to it. Right. That's the job here, everybody. Our job is to do these podcasts and tell you what the payroll numbers in and hold our, our language to not becoming perma bears or perma bulls. Right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, about what happened. We got a perma bear situation going on in the economy right now, right? It's not clear it's going to happen. We have a perma bear situation. We do. Um, a couple other interesting things just about a recession next year. Um, what 
what are the odds that it actually gets pushed back to 2024? Like there are, there's a small contingent. Yeah, there is a small contingent saying that they believe it won't actually start until you know first half of 2024. Yeah, that's I'm kind of with that. I, I think the basic problem here is you've had 12 years of asset, you know, baby boom think, which is you know raise the value yeah. of my house and make me a lot of money in it. Raise the value of my stocks, make a value of money in it. Let me retire to Florida and they sit around and piss and moan about it. Right. And then, there's the generation below has to go to work and pay for overvalued houses and buy into overvalued stocks. And it turns out there's not as many of them because it baby boom is what it was, a boom. And so right. there's this transition that COVID's presenting to people, which is actually pro work, pro wage, pro generation. Yeah. And uh, it may surprise people that there's a structural flip of the switch here that COVID actually presents itself. Okay. And this is uh, not quote cyclical, right? It's right, right. Change. It's and it happened in a kind of discontinuous way because of the nature of how COVID, you know, shut us all down for two years. Yeah. So yeah. I think this is what's missing here is is people not understanding structural change that's been building got you know accelerated, and we're just kind of probably watch that play out. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I definitely think things are going to be different than what everybody is assuming, um, especially on things like, you know, even just basics like mortgage rates. Everybody assumes, oh, they're going to be high and then the Fed will cut and they'll go down again and we'll be back to like 3%. Well, in the 1970s and 80s, that's not what happened, even as uh, the Fed did start easing, the mortgage rates remained elevated for over a decade. So why does everyone assume this time it's just gonna drop back down and you know, we're back, we're back to the party again of you know, rising asset prices and everything else again? I don't know, I just feel like this time maybe it is different than what we've seen over the last you know, 10 to 20 years or more now. And uh, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of adjustments by everybody in all asset classes, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think, you know, when I do returns assumptions, you know, I looked at 8% as your return on average on most of these indexes, which is yeah. the average return going back over the last number of decades, not the average return over the last five or 10 years. And uh, right. again, that, that's the other thing that's going to probably happen here when rates stick around longer like they're going to. I think you're right. And that's going to be a, quote, normal period that we forgot about. Right, right. Normal, we're running 8% on your, your ETFs that I threw out there, right? Right, right. Or and actually that's, putting that's money. Work for me. It's like, well, that's how it usually did, you know? Right, right. Or people may actually want to put money into their savings account at the bank. Right. Because right. they may get five percent on a savings account suddenly, and right. that's you know totally different. Nobody even has a savings account anymore. So yeah, right. Uh, that's it. This is what people got to realize. Um, COVID may have presented a, a speed up of a generational shift, um, where, where there really is a, a difference of opinion on everything, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you're going to do what we're trying to tell people to do it, and, I, and the only reason we're there to keep insisting upon it is because so people want to do it, which is just pay attention to payrolls, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Don't sit around and talk to your friends. Don't don't get into your political bubble, whatever it is. Don't get in your generational bubble. Just try to pay attention to payrolls because it's netting out the entirety of all these headwinds and tailwinds for you. Because what people don't understand is, yeah, there's always tailwinds and headwinds. Like, always. Yeah, right, right, for sure. The housing market's going down. Well, how big? How much? Well, you don't know. Right. So. If yeah. payroll numbers don't roll over, it basically isn't that big a deal. That's basically the answer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morgan Stanley, you know, more or Wells Fargo fired out the mortgage board. Yes, they did. It's still not rallying the unemployment rate of the payrolls. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, I heard about all... everybody's firing at Meta and Amazon. Everything's falling apart. Yeah, right. and, and and the payroll number was two sixty three in November. Right, right. Um, I do think we're a little bit too focused on technology and those big companies and the jobs that are there. And, you know, the U.S. economy is much larger than just, you know, these 10 big tech companies or even just tech in general, even though it's a large sector for sure. But um, we know that there was overhiring at some of those places. And so the, the ship has to be righted some, somewhat. But that doesn't mean there was overhiring at you know, John Deere or no. Baker Hughes no. or any of these other places. So, yeah, or yeah. Plumbing, which is still in the right. midst of a huge uh, undersupply of automotive players. And that manufacturing growth of automotive can carry us for a good two years. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you have, and then you have the China story where they finally, you know, get out of COVID. If they have an Omicron wave, right. news, they finally get their the herd immunity over there, and they get out of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, this is the problem. I mean, you know, I was just thinking about the, you know, I did a show yesterday uh, about you know Tesla and Elon Musk. You would think that Tesla and Elon Musk are the only cars being bought right now. Right. Right. <laughs> And, you know, yeah. the other day I, I did a show on uh, uh, Stellantis, which is, you know, got 15 brands of Fiat, Jeep, Chrysler, all those names. Yeah. How strange a world we live in and how, how skewed your perspective is. In the next, by 2025, which is, by the way, only three years away, they will have completely revamped all 14 brands to 100% electric in Europe and 50% electric in the United States. And they will have revamped 55 actual car things and all four chassis from trucks the middle to light to small right wow yeah out there because you didn't hear that because you heard non-stop 24 7 about tesla and twitter and musk yeah yeah for so sure this is what has happened is that you know some of these you know people are figuring out hey you know i can get on facebook and own it and just you know blast the airway like you know twitter and put out you know five bazillion tweets and convince you yeah. how a lot of things are happening. Right, right. Right, and you're like, oh, I, you know, Elon Musk must be running the world. No, he's not. He's just sitting around tweeting in San Francisco a lot. Right, right. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, that's where, you know, good stock investors look for opportunities in what you just said. Um, outside of Tesla, there are going to be opportunities in the electric vehicle space, right? On alternative energy, all of this stuff. And there are going to be some good stacks that people are going to want to be in other than Tesla. Yeah. So, buying yeah. Stellantis at $15 a share. Yeah. I mean, call me dumb. They don't, call me the dumbest guy ever. I'll probably make money on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
Uh, okay, so um, I guess that that's concluding our our discussion for this year's version. Um, so we didn't really conclude if there is going to be a recession in 2023, but there may be, but not in the first half, I guess is what we concluded. That it would probably come in the second half if it comes and we have to watch the payrolls and it's all about the jobs. That's it. Yeah, okay. So that makes sense. And we will regroup next year to discuss this again, as we always do. We do this show more than once a year. So we will be regrouping. You want to be sure to subscribe to get you know all of the episodes. You can get us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. But let me give you the tickers of what we talked about today, because it's kind of extensive this week. So I did mention Eli Lilly, it's busting out to new highs, ticker LLY. Then there was Pfizer, ticker PFE. We talked briefly about Exxon, ticker XOM, uh, JP Morgan Chase on the banking side, JPM. And we mentioned Ulta, ticker ULTA. I own Ulta in my own personal portfolio, as many of you know. Uh, then John talked about, you know, just keeping it basics with some ETFs. He likes the triple Qs for 2023. QQQ is the ticker there. Then the semiconductor equal weight index is X as an X-ray, S as in Sam, D as in David. Then he mentioned just buying a blended, you know, just regular mid cap. And if you want to keep your expenses down, you might consider the Vanguard mid cap ETF. It's just the basic one, ticker V as in Victor O, just the two, the two letters VO has an expense ratio of just 0.17% for the Vanguard. Uh, but that's about it. And as I said, you want to make sure you are getting us. So get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and we'll have one more episode before we get into 2023. Don't want to miss that one. And as always, I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.